Hayyem Yayim Chof. Menachem of the 20th day of the month of Av. Today is the yard site of the Rebbe's father. The yard site of the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Levi Yitzchak. And um, actually, the Rebbe wrote Hayyem Yayim as a calendar for the year 1943 going into 1944, the winter of 1944. The summer of 1944 is the Rebbe's father died, passed away. So a few months after, so it doesn't, there's no mention on the calendar. In the middle of World War II, but it wasn't from World War II. It was from the, from the communists. Communists are the ones who killed him. But uh, in any event, he was already exiled for, in Kazakhstan. They sent him to some place with no food and no water and no Jews. All of the Svarim we have from the Rebbe's father was written from memory. He didn't have any Svarim with him. He had four or five books with him that he was allowed to take. His wife made ink from the, from the grasses in the area. And he would write from memory. Everything you see, he's quoting from the whole Gemara and the Zohar and this. And then the whole Kabbalah. And, because we have amazing books from him. Um, uh, the, it was all written from memory. It was all written. The Rebbe's father, you know, it's, it runs in the family, obviously. The Rebbe actually said once, they printed it in the early years books, the Sicha. The Rebbe said that the, his father is in the category of Rabbi Muvak. That he The Gemara says that a person you learn most of your wisdom from, most of your Torah from, most of us don't have one person who taught us most of our Torah. But if you have that most of your Torah is got from that person, it's called Rabbi Muvak. So the Rebbe said his father is Rabbi Muvak. His father taught him most of what he knows. So, wasn't a Rebbe? No. Wasn't the Rebbe, but he was. Uh, he was the rav of a of a very big city, Yekaterinoslav, which was a very influential city. Had a few hundred thousand Jews, and uh, he was the rav there. So he was in many ways. He was also considered the rav of the whole Ukraine. Where? Oh, I thought it was the, the whole Ukraine, Ukraine. Ukraine, and it was uh, under the craziest times. Also, the twenties and the thirties. He managed to force the government. He, he, he had a shkocha for matzahs and for... He was, a, he was a powerhouse until, of course, they got to him eventually. Like, they got to everybody. Stalin. And they, Stalin got, you know, shipped him off. Um, but uh, a lot of stories. The Rebbe grew up in his house. The Rebbe, the Rebbe grew up with his father for the first 20 years of his life. And then... Uh, um, 25 years. And then... Uh, the Rebbe left at 25, 26, and he never saw his father again, of course. Where did he go to France? He left with his father-in-law because he was engaged to the, the, the Friedrich Rebbe's daughter. So he got out with him. And uh, there's a whole description in the book of his, the last Shabbos at home with his father and mother. And he knew that he would never see them again. <laughs> he ended up seeing his mother 25 years later. Wow. He picked her up in 1947. This is the 1920s. Then in 1947... Rebbe picked up his mother from France. She, her husband was, had passed. She survived. She got out of Russia. Some crazy story. And the Rebbe went to France, took care of her for a few months, take, get her papers in order, and brought her with him to America. And for the next, till she passed away in 1965, the Rebbe visited her every single day. Every single day. Didn't miss a single day. He sat with her for half an, half an hour, an hour, whatever it was. And uh, that was it. She was the Rebbe Tzachana. Um, a terrible story. We found her diary, diaries recently, about 15 years ago, 
and they were printed. Now they're turning it into books and stuff, very fascinating stuff. And she writes over there that the only person in the world who could understand me and understand my pain is my son. But I'm not going to burden him. He's too, he has too much on his plate. She's not the... Now, a lot, the thing is, nowadays we can't take that attitude anymore because even if we say, oh, I'm not going to burden people, I'm not going to speak, we end up burdening them anyway. We get, pass- we get passive-aggressive. Right. We, get, we express it in other ways. You have to be a very broad person with broad shoulders, a very deep person to be able to truly not burden anybody. But anyways, so the Rebbe, that's, maybe there's a connection to today's Hayyim Yayim, says the Rebbe, K'shem shemitzis tefillin al-derech moshe yishlo mokim kavua b'reish b'zroya u'margish kaveda tefillin sh'roish v'ahiduk tefillin sh'yad just as the mitzvah of putting on tefillin has an established place on the head to put it, which some people, by the way, are seemingly are not so familiar, you're right in the center of your head, between your eyes. It should be the front should never slip below your hairline. The back should not proceed where the baby's head gets soft. I guess that's the crack of the skull where it splits into pieces. And, uh, and that's the place. And there's also, so just like there's an established place of the head and the arm, on the muscle, so on, upper arm. And you feel the heaviness on your head. And you feel the tightening of the tefillah on the high end. Just as much as it's such a tangible, defined mitzvah, so to when Hashem commands us to fear God and to, and to love God, it's an extremely measurable mitzvah. Either you did the mitzvah or you didn't do the mitzvah. Don't pretend like you did a mitzvah. It could, you have Jews who never did this mitzvah once in their life. And that's it. Admit it. You know, you know are learning Gemara the whole day. They spend their whole life learning that. You never once... You know, so imagine you tell a Jew, you never put on someone once in your life. So you, get, you, never, you never studied Chassidus, you never studied Kabbalah, you never tried connecting with God in that kind of way. You never did the, this mitzvah in the Torah once in your life. That's, that's the bottom line. Um, as the Rambam says, this glorious and awesome God, it's a mitzvah to love Him and fear Him. Love the Lord your God. Last week's parsha. The Lord your God, you shall fear. So, what is the measurement? What is the degree? What is the parameter of this of these mitzvahs? Who? There should be bodily sensations. Physical. You should feel the tingling of your fingers. The basar halev mamish physically in the flesh of your heart. Just as, for example, if you meet a truly good friend, a real friend, a devoted, loyal friend that you know that you have each other in each other's hearts. Not only. Does he feel good when he meets his friend? And so much so, he feels so good. That it could even make him forget all the things that are bothering him and troubling him. It helps him cope. All of a sudden, for a few minutes, everyone with their tzadahs, for a few minutes, the guy doesn't have to think about his shalom bias problems. For a few minutes, he doesn't have to think about parnasa. He's here with a, with, a, with a good tachar, with a good close friend. But it goes more than that. When it's a good enough friend, not only for a few minutes do you forget your troubles. 
he's even able to be awakened with an inner liveliness. An inner, he comes alive. He comes alive. It's not just a distraction. He comes alive and he feels that there's hope. He becomes optimistic. He now believes the future is bright. He could, he could do anything. He could survive anything. Because his, his, his heart is, is, is cheerful. This is the effect of when you're with somebody that you love. What's it mean to be afraid? We know what fear is. The emotion of, of fear is that it falls on the person a, a great dread, a, a tremendous dread. They feel a sense of, I don't know how to destri- describe the word dread, but we all know what it means. It's like, oh man, this is, we're in trouble. Um, and, and fear. Fright. Because at that moment, I guess when a person experiences Yerushalayim, I guess that's what he means, he, he recalls whatever he did undesirably in thought, speech, and action. And his heart pains, his heart aches with a palpable pain. Um, from the fear of uh, of punishment, his dread of punishment, in a, in a, in a in a sense of Yerushalayim, in a sense of fear of heaven. It's interesting why that is adding that word. He seems to want to not just say Yerushalayim, or you're afraid of the punishment. It's afraid of the punishment from God. In other words, it's not afraid of punishment in life. I'm afraid that God is is going to punish me. Whatever, I have to think about that. And sometimes a much higher level of, of Yerat Shemaim, a fear of heaven, is not just punishment. Is what? Where you have what's called an overwhelming shame, a Yerat in front of God. This is a true, is a much deeper sense of what it means to be afraid of God. It means that you're embarrassed when you're embarrassed in front of someone. You know, Rabbi Yechon told his students, you should be afraid of God like you're afraid of human beings. That just like if, God, if a human being was with you in a room, there were certain things you wouldn't do. God, at least, at least like a human being. At least like a human being. That's at least embarrassment. And then even higher than embarrassment is what's called Yiras Haremimus, which is a transcendent majesty of God. In other words, it's, it's, a, it's like you're in awe. You're in total awe. Like in front of a tzaddik, like in front of someone, the biggest person in the world, you just respect them. Right? In the presence of God, you, you melt away. Your existence melts away. You can't even express yourself. Love is, doesn't even fit anymore because love is self-expression. I love, I'm feeling so much. Here you melt. You don't, you're, not, you're, not, you're not experiencing love. You're, you're being dissolved. So that's the highest level. So we have Yiras Einish that I mentioned. Then we have higher than punishment we had was uh, shame, embarrassment. And higher than that was where you melt in, in the front of the majesty and the glory of the presence of the Lord of God. These are all very practical mitzvahs. And I guess the Rebbe with Ruach HaKadosh said this on his father's yard site, the year before his father's yard site. He made this the thing because the Rebbe's father was a Kabbalist. What's unique about the Rebbe's father was he wasn't just the Kachasid and Chassidus. All the Rebbe's father's farim are all Kabbalah. It's Kabbalah's farim. The Rebbe was a Kabbalist par excellence. His life was Kabbalah. Literally, the Zohar, the Arizal, the this. And, uh, and this is what Kabbalah is all about. Reaching the dimension of Ava and Yira 
and the, and the emphasis, of course, of chassidus, the perfect marriage with chassidus, that let's make it real. Because sometimes people study Kabbalah, and it gets a little abstract, and a little super, it could be almost superficial, because it's like, it's a numbers game, it's a this game. Chassidus is trying to apply that to your life. In fact, I heard a sikh of the Rebbe once, the Rebbe said that the whole thing Chassidus is trying to do is take Kabbalah and say it in Oisius for Nigla. I sent it to my uncle Y.Y. Jacobson because I was like, the Rebbe said, Chassidus, people think Chassidus is Oisius of Chassidus. No, Chassidus is Oisius of Nigla. Nigla Oisius to explain in Yanim, to explain these kinds of Yanim. So we're supposed to actually experience love and fear of God, not just uh, talk about it. Everyone have a wonderful day.